Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Isn't God good this morning? Well, this is a very special day for multiple reasons. Inevitably, we are celebrating Christmas together as a family. This is our Christmas service, and, and, and don't forget tonight we are having our Christmas program with the kids, so you want to come out. Coming out with and, and watching that is always fun. Amen. Who knows, if you take video, you might win Funniest Home Videos. You, <laughs> you never know when you're working with kids. But today is a great day. We're celebrating the birth of our Lord. But also for me personally, beyond, but beyond that, uh, my daughter is home from Amen. Bible school. Amen. Amen. And she's spending Christmas with us. And I've asked her because she has had such an incredible time uh, at her school and what God's doing there. And so I've asked her to come and just briefly share um, a little bit about what God is, is doing in her life. So let's give her a hand. Amy Poole. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so for those of you who didn't know, I've been in Redding, California for the past three months um, at a ministry school called uh, the Bethel, Super, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Ugh. And the past three months have been a completely like life-changing experience for me. Um, before I left, I honestly had no idea uh, really what I was getting myself into. I didn't really fully grasp the idea of this ministry school. I was just like, okay, I know God's calling me to this. I'm being obedient. I'm going to go. And anyone who knows me knows that I used to not take risks. I was very like, no, I'm uncomfortable with that. I am fine with my box, my comfort zone. That's it. And so for me to move alone to Redding, California, has been a really trying thing, but it's been so rewarding. And um, when I first got to the school, like I said, I had no idea what I was expecting. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew it was a ministry school. And when I walked in, like I was like blown away because I was like, okay, this is not just a ministry school. This is actually an identity school. And part of the, uh, the process there is um, you're going to get into ministry. You're going to do what God's calling you to do. But before you do that, you need to know who you are. You need to know your identity. And I was like, I know my identity. I know who I am. I know um, I'm solid in my relationship with God, all this stuff. And God came in and quickly, you know, quickly reminded me, he's like, you don't know who you are. It's like, you know the lies you've been believing and made that your identity, but that's not who you are. He's like, you are not shy. You are not uh, someone that stays in the background. You're not this. You're not that. You're not that. And I'm like, okay. And these past three months have literally just been a time of me just letting God come in and expose all the lies and expose everything that I believed about myself and has given me truth. It's given me truth to hold on to and it's completely restored my identity. Um, part of that is I've, the last two months I've been on a makeup fast and to some that's like okay. And even at first I was like okay, that's weird. I've given up makeup before. I But I realized I've never, first, I did the math last night, it's funny. I started wearing makeup when I was 13, and for seven years, I have never really had zero makeup on unless it was, like, swimming or something like that. And so for seven years, I've been hiding myself. 
And uh, God's like, I want to reveal you. I want to reveal you to yourself, to everybody, because you are powerful. You are confident. You are called to great, great things. And you need to know this about yourself. Because once you know this about yourself, you know this about me. And that has pulled us so, so close. And... Um, and that's also taught me just to live a life of sacrifice. Just like, you know, I'm going to live my life, but anytime God's like, hey, you're putting that above me, and be like, okay, here it is. You take it. I want you. That's all I want. And so through these past three months, that's a very small amount of what I've been going through, but it's been the biggest thing that I've gone through. And it's uh, completely given me confidence and um, has pushed me into a direction of even ministry now that I didn't think that I was ever going to go into. And it's just really exciting. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. And she is beautiful. Amen. I told her driving, I think it was this morning, I said, you don't need makeup. You're beautiful just as you are. Amen. You know, and isn't that funny how, how something what we would what we would think would be so small, you know, uh, like makeup, how we hide behind things. Right. And we get lost in, in, the, uh, in who we are and who we're not. And, you know, what, you know, she has obviously told Kathy and I much, much more and how she went and, and God really began to speak and is drawing her out. And um, it's such a powerful thing because when you're drawn out into the presence of God and you come into that place where you know who you are, you know who he is, um, there's not much that can stop you anymore. Right. And it's such a powerful thing. And so it has been truly a blessing to watch uh, her rapid growth. Um, she says it's a long, long time, but three months is but a drop in the bucket. Uh, I've been struggling with things for 52 years. So you say, well, I'm 53, so that means I started when I was one. So, <laughs> so. I'm getting over the sucking my thumb thing, so uh, but, <laughs> it's taken me a little while. But it's been a rapid thing in her, and I'm so proud of her, so proud of what God's doing in her, and, and, um, and so I'm glad she got to share with you. So this morning, we want to continue on with the series that we began th uh, two weeks ago, and actually, we're going to finish it today. It's been such a delight to uh, go down this road. To be truthful with you, this was not actually what... I had planned for this month, my friend Mike Fields uh, came to me with an, a stage idea, and uh, in the moment, in that just split second as he was sharing with me the, about doing the big Emmanuel sign and, and doing all that, all of this kind of got birthed, and it was, a, it was one of those God moments, and so it's been such a rich journey of study, learning, uh, you know, many things that I have maybe kind of known, but to really begin to look at the depth of them and the power of them. <clears throat> and the and the uh, importance of them in our lives. And see, I think that's where one of the things that happens to Christians, and I certainly know it happens to me, is that we become so familiar with stuff that we tend to lose the power and the importance of that in the familiar. In other words, we've been in church, and we know all the buzzwords, and yeah, yeah, we sing Christmas carols. If you've ever listened to the words of some of those Christmas songs. Oh, wow. I mean, they'll rip your heart out. Yeah, they will. <laughs> uh, and, and you begin to understand that when, when God, when Father God sent Jesus to this earth, this was, this was God doing something 
uh, head and shoulders above anything that he had done before. I mean, this, this required the exceeding greatness of his power to pull this off. And so the, the reality is, is, is God came to earth, and, and the Bible says his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And if we're not careful, sometimes what can happen in the midst of the celebration, in the midst of all that we're doing, he can kind of get lost in that. And because we, we certainly don't want to push him aside, but, but, but hey, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. There's all these things happening. And, and we forget that the, the reason that we're celebrating today is God. No, no, God right. is with us. Amen. He is with us. And so with that thought in mind, I want you to listen to um, our, our text. We've, we've used the same text in all three sermons. And that has been deliberate because I, I want this to be ingrained. I, I, I pray that this doesn't just last for the Christmas season. I pray that we have understanding of this throughout all of next year. Amen. That next year at this time, we have even a deeper understanding of what God is doing. So this is, this is our text, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, this is how the birth of Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, as we begin this, the, or as I bring this, I should say, this sermon series to a close, I want you to, um, to get a hold of some things. And the thing that I want to do most is I, I, I want to continue to reiterate the significance of Christmas, the significance of of God with us. Now, if we're going to do that, that really is going to take revelation. How many know that, that sometimes it's not enough to possess information? We need a revelation. We need, we need to understand. We need, it, we need God to reveal this to us. And make no mistake about us that truly to fully understand all that we're talking about here is going to take God bringing that revelation to us. And so I pray, my prayer is, is that he would really reveal the depths of this to us and that we this Christmas season would not get stuck in the superficial elements of the season and forget why we're celebrating. See, it's easy to forget about Jesus and make no room for him. How many know that's what happened at his birth, there was no room for him. And so they didn't want him out in the cold, so they put him in the manger. The problem is, even to this day, Jesus is still being relegated in many people's lives to the manger with the rest of the animals. So let's not forget the significance of Christmas, and let's, like the wise men, Seek him and worship him and understand what this season is about. 
Now listen to me. This, this Christmas is really not about a baby being born. Yes, that's pretty cool, and God did invade humanity through a baby, which is generally not how I would do it, but I'm not God. And God says, thank God. <laughs> so should you. Because if I was God, it would not be a good day. Because we're cleaning house. Amen. But here's the amazing thing about Christmas. Is God, who the Bible describes as living in unapproachable light. If you see him, you die. He is unapproachable. He is distant. He is far away. He is detached. He's, he's out there. This God that is higher, above, he's bigger. This one that you cannot approach. The significance is his name declares to us that now he's God with us. Amen. That he made a decision. Not us. He did. He made a decision to come on the scene and to become a part of what's going on here on the planet. And because he is a part, because he is with us, then we can take confidence that he is with us in all situations, that he is the God of the valley. He is the God of the wilderness and God of the storm. He's with us in all of those things. Because how many know that sometimes in this season, it can be for us most difficult? Because as we go into the Christmas season, oftentimes we bring all our baggage in with it. And families come together and we do things together. But oftentimes in those moments we're reminded of old wounds and past hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness that still exist. And, and we can be, we could go from a, a place of victory very quickly to a valley. You know what a valley is? It's, it's going through this place where there's two insurmountable things on either side. And you're forced into one direction. Or we go through a wilderness where it's alone and dry and harsh. Or, or we go into a season where there's a storm. And, and oftentimes at Christmas, that can happen. But let me tell you something. Because Emmanuel is God with us. He's with us in the valley. He's with us in the wilderness. And he's with us in the storm. And as we bring this to a close, I want you to see even some deeper things that come with God, that because God is with us, there are blessings and dynamics that, that exist within us because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And the first blessing is that because God is with us, we have hope. Now, I know what you're thinking because I would think this because I thought it when I started the sermon. Oh, great. We're going to talk about hope. Big deal. How many sermons have we heard? Hope, 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 hope. I hope they don't preach a sermon on hope. Now, let me say this to you. I understand. See, one of the things that I have the luxury of as a pastor is that I've been in church a long time. And so when, because oftentimes Christians, what we do is, Stuff rolls off our tongue as if it's nothing. Right. You know, we'll say very, very high and heady things like, you know, we'll, we'll say things like, you know, we'll, we'll say, oh, he's God of all creation. He's going to step in and set you free. 
Meanwhile, it feels like anything but that. And you're like, exactly how does that work? And so I get into this pulpit and I look at you and I say, look at, because God is with us, you have hope. And you might go, well, it don't feel like it. Well, let me show you something today. Hope is so important for your life. You cannot afford to dismiss it. Because it is an essential for living. One man put it this way. He says, you can live 40 days without food. You can live four days without water, four minutes without air, but only four seconds without hope. See, hope is the power that keeps us going in those tough times of life. It takes obstacles and transforms them into possibilities. Hope gives us the strength and the courage we need to make the most out of life. You know what hope does? Let me see if I could give you a demonstration. And I had this as I was praying. I've been praying, God, give me a revelation. Now, he didn't give me this revelation while I was writing the sermon. He gave it to me after I preached it the first time. Okay. So you guys are getting fresh revelation. Because oh, okay. the 830 service didn't get this. Okay. So you just count yourself blessed. Okay. Let me show you how this hope works. Hope is like, I look weird, don't I? <laughs> hope is like a pair of glasses. And so what happens is hope gives us the ability to make everything clear and focus. Yes, and so hope comes, and we put them on, and it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. That makes sense to me. I understand that now. Hope is also giving you the ability to look beyond the garbage. When you're dry, have, you ever, have you ever driven in your car where your window is just plastered with bugs? I mean, there's bugs all over your window. You, you went on a long trip and you ran into a herd of beetles or something. I don't know. I don't know what they call a big a school of bugs. Whatever. I don't know what it is. But you're driving and all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. Now, there's a point when your eyes have the ability to look beyond the mess on your window to what is where you're going. Hope gives you the ability to look beyond your mess. It doesn't deny your mess. It looks beyond your mess and sees what God is capable of. It sees where God is at. It sees who God really is. It sees where you're going. Now you have a choice. You can focus on what's on your window and you will crash your car. Or you can look beyond the bugs and look down the road, and you can see that nothing's changed. It's just a nasty demon that's splatted on your window. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Good word. Good word. As I sat in my office, I thought, well, my gosh, Lord, why didn't you tell me that earlier? That makes so much sense. He goes, well, my timing's perfect. Just Amen. shut up and say it. It's okay. So I'm assuming... There's either somebody on Facebook or there's somebody here that needed to hear that. But see, that's what hope does. It gives us strength. It, it, it changes our attitude. It clears our vision. It strengthens our spirit. And it motivates our life. See, hope is a gift that God gives to every man. And no one can take it from you. And if you lose hope, 
It's because you gave it away. Or you put it in the wrong thing. How many times have we heard stories of people who endured incredible hardships, overcoming impossible situations, because they refused to give up hope? There's a story about a famous Austrian doctor. His name was Dr. Frankel, and he was a Jew during the Nazi regime in Germany. And he was deported to a concentration camp, and for four years he endured indescribable indignity and humiliation at the hands of the Nazis in four different Nazi death camps, including Auschwitz. And after his liberation, Dr. Frankel described his ordeal. He said, the Germans had taken all my possessions, including my watch and my wedding ring. They shaved my head. They stripped me of my clothing. I had nothing left that I could claim as my own. He says, but that was not quite true. Dr. Frankel stood before his Nazi captors and he realized that the one thing they could not take from him was his attitude. Although at that moment the Nazis held his future in their hands, he still had the power to choose how he would face it. With hope or in hopelessness, the choice was his. He chose hope because he knew it was the one thing that he needed they could not take away. And the conclusion was this. We usually say as long as there is life, there is hope. But Dr. Frankel found out as long as there is hope, there is life. See, this hope that we're talking about is we're not talking about wishful thinking, you know, that, 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 that. You know, I hope I get a hot dog today, or I, I, hope, I hope everything goes well, or I hope, I hope he gets done preaching soon because I need to go. or you know, I, It's not that, because you can hope all you want. It ain't going to happen because I'm going to finish the sermon. But here's what hope is. Hope is a confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that good is coming. Now, you need to understand this. You need, you need to hear this. Hope, you don't have to put that on the board because I'm not there yet. You're giving away the prize. Hope is a confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that good is coming. It's an expectation. It's a confident, I know it's coming. And I'm joyful about it. Romans 15, 13 says this in the New King James. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you could go to that. My version is this. Now may the God of confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that, is, that good is coming fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that good is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when you add that, it changes the dynamic of what this hope is. It's the hope. You know, this is something that comes because God is with us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? John Piper put it this way. He said, biblical hope is not only, not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. Romans 4.18, the Bible says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been 
<coughs> said to him, so shall your offspring be. How, do you, how many know that we're his offspring? Yeah. Abraham, against hope, believed. Here's a man 100 years old, 100 years old. His wife is 90. The promise is you're going to have a baby. Here, here, here's how the angel said it to Sarah when she laughed. She's doing dishes, and the angel's talking to Abraham, and he goes, yeah, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. She goes, yeah, right. Uh-huh. This is how, he says, I'm going to have pleasure with my husband. No, I don't think so. You can hope all you want. It ain't going to happen. But you know what? He against hope. What does that mean? That means that it was impossible. Their bodies in that way were dead. They they could no longer produce. There was no hope of that. But against hope, he hoped anyway. He says, anyway, I don't care. You, you You know what? Listen, hope. Hope. Look at the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse, or, 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 or Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says, faith is the, things, is the evidence of things hoped for. Right. See, without hope, you don't have any faith. That's right. you, when you deny hope, you deny faith. Because faith is the material in which our hope is made. Yes. Are you seeing that? Yeah. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 6 of chapter 11, it's impossible to believe God. Please God without faith. That's why this thing of hope is so absolutely necessary. Now here's the one I want you to see. This will blow your mind. Hebrews chapter 6 starting in verse 13. This is such a powerful passage. He says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, talking about that thing in Romans, because he could not, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is made to, for them an end of all dispute. What is he saying? He says not only did God make a promise... God made an oath. He, he, he made an oath. He said, my promise is not good enough, so I give you my word. I'm, I'm going to make an oath. And what he did is he made that oath and he signed it in the blood of Jesus. And he goes on. He goes, because that way, he goes, if I, give, if I make the promise and give you my oath, all argument is over. He says, thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability or the unchangingness of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay a hold of the hope set before us. Now listen, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Let me show you something here. Let me, let me help you understand that passage in modern day language. Hope is the anchor that reaches, that anchors itself to the throne of God. It goes in behind the veil into the very holy of holies to the presence of God and it anchors itself and ties off there. It ties you and I off. There's a story years ago about two young men that lived in Florida. They had this really nice boat. It was a sailboat, and it was docked at at a marina. 
and there was the report of a hurricane coming. And so the two young men, they went out, they wanted to save their boat, so they went out and bought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of rope. And they went to the marina and they started to tie down the boat. They tied it to trees and they tied it to the dock and they tied it to, you know, a building over on the, uh, on the uh, other side of the marina. And they had all this rope and they even tied it to other boats. And a very old man walks down the dock one day and he's looking at them as they're tying off. And he says, what are you guys doing? He's a, this man is a man of the sea. He's been a man of the sea for years. And they said, well, we're tying off our boat. We don't want the hurricane to blow it away. And the man says, you're surely going to lose it. And they said, what? And then he goes, you're surely going to lose it. And he goes, why? He, goes, he says, because you haven't gone deep. He says, you've tied it off to everything that's going to blow away in the storm. He says, if you're going to keep your boat, you've got to anchor it deep. And see, what hope does, church, is it anchors deep. It anchors itself at the very throne of God. It ties itself off behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. And that's what that scripture is saying. That's what Jesus does. Because of Emmanuel, God with us, I have an anchor that goes from Kingman, Arizona into eternity to the very throne of God and ties me off. Because God is with us, we have hope. The second blessing is because God is with us, we have peace. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was an angel. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This is Jesus' introduction to the world. This is an angel. It's the herald of God. Stands out and declares that peace has just come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, this peace is such an incredible, incredible part of who our Father is, and ultimately who we are will become. Now, when I think of peace, see, once again, I want to help you to understand this. Because sometimes it can, it, can, it can come across, in my mind, a little flat. You know, when people come to me and say, well, I'm just going to pray peace over you. What is that? I, well, I don't, I, what is that? What is peace? What, what is that? So I want to put it in terms that you can understand. And so I, I have a vivid imagination. And so Usually I think of peace of what would be the opposite of what a person would feel if they were engaged in a fierce battle. Now think about this for a moment. You're in a battle. You're tired. You're weary. You're fatigued. Bullets are flying. You feel significantly unsafe, unprotected, vulnerable on all sides. Your nerves are frayed. You are hypersensitive to every little thing, every sound, and every movement has you on edge. You're dirty, you're uncomfortable, and you have an overwhelming sense that you are out of place. And in that moment, you look towards home where there is calm, where there's warmth, comfort, rest, and safety. 
And in that place, there are no worries, no fear. There's no lack, just peace. That's the feeling. That is what peace is. It's that place. It's that, it's that, I can relax. I can rest. I don't have to worry about the next moment, the next two moments, the next hour. I can just rest. And such a wonderful feeling. But listen to me, it's much, much more than that. See, we can dramatize peace and we can reduce it to a feeling based in circumstance. But listen, peace is not a feeling. Peace has feelings. Peace is not the result of circumstance. Peace changes circumstances. Peace is not a thing. It's not an idea. It's not a principle. It's not even a doctrine. Peace is a person. I'm going to say it again. Peace is a person. Jesus is peace. He is our peace. He is the prince of peace. See, peace is not the absence of problems, troubles, chaos, or turmoil. It's the presence of someone. A few weeks back, I spoke, I, I preached a message talking about the Holy Spirit being an intercessor. And we talked about his ministry as an intercessor and the word picture that that brings to mind. <coughs> he, in his intercession, gets into our situation. He's not outside of our situation yelling out commands and telling us to come this way. He is a rescue swimmer that leaves the safety of the helicopter and is lowered down into the turmoil of our problem and becomes one with us in it, giving us peace and safety. That's why the Bible says to us today, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's why this peace that we talk about is not relegated to just a feeling or just to the absence of a problem. It's about the presence of a person. It's not the intermission between conflicts. But it is rooted, this peace is literally rooted in the name of God. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, our peace. And that word, that word shalom, it literally means welfare, health, prosperity, favor, rest, and safety. Let me declare something to you. Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the antidote to chaos. Are you hearing me? Peace is who he is in us. In Mark 4, 39, it says, Then he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Church, we need to hear Emmanuel, God with us, declaring peace in the valley, in the wilderness and in the storm. 
We need to rejoice and celebrate God with us. He's with me. And so is my peace. The third blessing is because God is with us, we have joy. In 1 Peter 1.8, it says, You love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him, you trust him. And even now, you are happy with a glorious, inexpressible joy. What is that saying? It's saying that because of Jesus, we have joy unspeakable that is full of glory. There's a joy. How many know we were created for joy? You are hardwired for joy. The problem with most people is we're looking for happiness. But God says, I'm going to give you something fundamentally greater than happiness. I'm going to give you joy. See, happiness by nature is based on a happening. As long as it's happening well, I'm happy. If it's not happening well, I'm not happy. But joy goes beyond that. Joy goes into a place where it comes from within instead of from without. It rises up within me because it's part of who I am and part of who he is. Chuck Swindoll said this life was meant to be enjoyed, not endured. And therefore, he says, I find something, anything, every day to laugh at. See, church, some of us just really need to lighten up. Some of us are, yeah, go ahead, clap it out. Go ahead, clap it out. Some of us are so uptight. We're just, what's wrong with you? Lighten up. I'll tell you a funny story. <clears throat> Last night we had uh, Dan needed my mother and father-in-law over the house and, and uh, uh, Kathy's sister Wendy and her husband Dean and their daughter Arden, they were over and and so we were having a good time and just, you know, fellowshipping, celebrating Christmas together. And, and uh, uh, my brother-in-law, Dean, his job, they gave him this. On his job, they all got a Christmas gift, which I like his job. They get great gifts. <laughs> anyway, they had this. They, it's called an Oculus Go. And what it is, it's a virtual reality thing. You put, oh, this, cool. you put this thing on your head like this. And I'm telling you, I put it on. I was not really prepared for what was in there. And, you, the, you know, and you're looking around, and you can turn your head like this, and all the scenery turn. You can turn around like this, and it's 360 degrees, and above you, and below you, and, and it's so cool. And so there's a game in there. It's called um, Zombie Attack or something like that. I don't know. It's about these cowboy zombies. I, I, I don't know what it was, but it, you, just, you have to shoot the zombies. And so you have this little controller in your hand, and, you know, you're shooting, and, and you can see your hand. It's got a gun in it, and you're like, you're like oh, I can see and so, so I'm shooting these guys. Well, they didn't tell me that guys come from behind you. And all of a sudden in the you know, peripheral, I, I, it scared me and I'm jumping. I went, oh my God. And so I can hear, I can hear my, I can hear Anita, my mother-in-law. She is just laughing. <coughs> and everybody is just cracking up. Amy, if you want to see the video of it, Amy took a video. And so you can see the video. And I was just. I, I was just having a great time. But the thing is, everybody in the room was having a great time. And sometimes we just got to lighten up. 
You know, I think of my, my, my grandsons. You know, Titus is amused with the paper off a straw. He ripped the paper off a straw, stick it, to give him the paper, and he's golden. He's happy. Oliver, you know, Oliver, just bubbles. Give him bubbles. Give him, give him a thing that'll make bubbles. He goes out and he makes bubbles and he's dancing. Some of you old people need to go make some bubbles. Come on now. Come on. I'm your pastor. I'm not being mean. I'm helping you. You tell somebody next to you, say, he's helping me today. That was, some of you need to, so you know what you need to do is you, you need to break the shackles off. Amen. <coughs> you need to get dancing. Right on. Yeah. Oh, Come on. You need go. to go for it. I'm going to get Brother Imus up here. He's going to cut a rug one day. I'm telling you, he's a joyful man. He's a joyful man. He, he knows what it is to have peace and hope. He, yeah. he knows, and he's excited, and he, he, gives, he gave his life to Jesus, and Jesus has healed him and kept him and saved him. And, and you know what? When you have that, you're, you're happy. And it's like, you know what? Life is full of a bunch of stuff. Let's just be happy. Let's be joyful. Let's, let's rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Are you hearing me? See, Jack Hayford said these words. He says, the word joy means to rejoice and be glad. He says, the Hebrew word for joy contains the celebration of dancing and leaping for joy, spinning around with intense motion and exuberant celebration. See, church, we come to church and we're like a bunch of wooden statues sitting here. Not the front row. Not you. Come on. Not Shannon. And I look at, look at, look at, please. I, 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 I've been around a long time. I got to get done here. I'm, I'm almost done. I've been around a long time. I'm not talking about just being goofy for goofy's sake. I'm not talking about, you know, running around uncontrolled and like an idiot. I'm talking about celebrating. Amen. I'm talking about the fact that, you know what? On your worst day, your very, very worst day, you are on your way to heaven. You know that? On your very worst day, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. His hope and his peace and his joy. Nehemiah, after he gets done rebuking the children of Israel, he looks at them. They're all sullen and got that long face going on. He goes, no, 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 hang on. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Are you hearing me? Sometimes, church, what we just need to do, and I, you know what? <clears throat> Anytime you point your finger, you got three or four pointing back, depending on how many fingers you got. And you know what? The reality is, this, I take this, I'm having to take this, I'm having to take a spoonful of medicine right now. Because sometimes I get so serious. I bury myself in, in the conflict of the day. I think, I think what we need to do is we just, we need to just break out of that. And, and you know what? Maybe we need to twirl around a little bit. Maybe we need to dance a little bit. Be a little crazy every now and then. I love the video of, the, of the, that little girl. She's just spinning with her dress. 
She doesn't, the truth is, she has no clue of the reality she's living in. But you know what? All she knows is some people from a church came. They took her to Walmart to go shopping. And she's happy. That's the joy of the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, it says, Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Listen to me, church. I'm bringing this to a close. See, because of God, because of Emmanuel, God with us, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and finally we have life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. In the Amplified Version, it says it this way, The thief comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So I don't know about you, church, but I want life till it overflows. I want to live all the way up to the point I die. Some people stop living long before they're dead. God is the author of life. And I want you to listen to this last verse as we close. It's John 16, And it's talking about the mission of Christ. He says, I have told you these things, all that we just got done talking about, so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you're going to have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. Be filled with joy, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Did you notice in that verse, hope, peace, joy, and life are in the mission of Christ. We know he came to pay a ransom, to buy us back. We know he came to die a sinner's death. We know he came to be the resurrection and the life. We know that he came to show us who the Father is, to be an example of perfect humanity. He showed us what it is to extend the kingdom of God. But church, in all of those very deep and heady theological things, let us not forget that he came so we could know hope, that we could live in peace, that we could rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice and that we could live. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we're so thankful, God, of your goodness. We thank you, God, for your abundance. And I pray right now today in this place that every person that's here would have a revelation of this message, a revelation of who Emmanuel is, God with us, and all that comes with that. That this Christmas season, Father, that we would not push you out into the manger of our life, but that we would welcome you in to all that we're doing. Father, help us today. I pray for every home, every family, every marriage. I pray for children and grandchildren today, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, grandparents aunts and uncles. God, I pray that this year, Emmanuel, God with us, 
would be visible in all that we do. And Father, we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good this morning? Listen, amen. Go ahead, give him glory. Hallelujah. Let me say to you uh, this morning, um, I really appreciate you. I love you. And let me say, I want you to have the best Christmas of your life. I don't care how old you are or how young. I want you to have a great time. And you have a Merry Christmas, and God bless you. Remember, this Wednesday, there will be no service. Wednesday the 26th, no service. Let's stand to our feet. Our ministry team is coming. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.